Survivor chronicles the lives of 20 strangers, stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days, one survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey, months and months of surviving a grueling casting process, weeks and weeks of preparation for the game, days and days on lockdown, and the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game, all for only three days of actual playtime. This season, someone else will become a first one out of sorts. The first one out to Ghost Island, the graveyard of bad survivor decisions, birthed from the ruins of nearly 20 years of broken dreams. This castaway's name will forever be etched in survivor history as Ghost Island's first guest. But in truth, another person was swinging from the monkey bars of this spooky playground before anyone else. This podcast series is the story of finding the season's first sacrifice to the fearsome survivor gods. It is also the story of an idiot and a moron. This is First One Out, and I am Ghost Zero. It's April 5th, 2017, late at night. An electric didgeridoo purrs in the darkness. An unholy noise in the middle of the, yeah, 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 okay, all right, you get it. We're in Fiji, and yes, we're back at the first Tribal Council of Survivor, Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers, moments after Katrina Radke became the first one out of season 35. I'm standing with Jeff Probst, talking about Katrina's fate, when our conversation takes a fateful turn. What do you think about Katrina tonight? Uh, do you think that she sensed that she was in great danger? Yes. I think Katrina knew she made an early mistake. She kind of acknowledged that, I guess, she came out of the gate really fast. I don't know any of that, but I can see how that could have happened just by the way she talks because she's really engaging and she wants to connect and that maybe she overconnected. You know, she, she went too far to try to get to know people. And it sounds like from what Chrissy said, that's what happened. But then she said she owned it and... It's a terrible spot to be in. You know, it's like you're in front of a judge and they're going to sentence you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's sort of what's happening here. There's other people and if they want you out, there just isn't anything you can do about it. You're out. And so everything she sacrificed to get here, three days, she walked off tribal and I'm sure she's upset or mad or both. What's wild about that analogy is that she's, you know, the person standing in front of the judge. It's like her court date. But then, like, a crime broke out in the middle of her trial. <laughs> That's funny. You're right. I mean, that... It's like, arrest this man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Get it on. And then I'll walk out the back uh, of the courtroom. Yeah. I wish that she had said something to throw him under the bus. When she, when you know, she, uh, you know, she stopped, you know, tribal was ready to go to the vote. Yeah. And she had something to say. Yeah. And I and I feel like, like she just didn't take it all the way. You know, I, th I think it was a great time to take a stand well i asked her if not you then who 
Exactly. And she didn't say. She no. didn't toss anything out. And, and at this point on Survivor, the players would say who. They would say, I'll tell you exactly who and why. Here's why. And here's what's going to happen if you don't. And here's what's going to happen with me if you keep me. All of that. But... You know, everybody's got a different strategy. It's easy for you and me. We sit here and talk. Oh, yeah, Neither one of us has spent a day in the damn jungle. Oh, this is all I do. You know, all <laughs> I do is talk. It's June 4th, 2017. I'm in the damn jungle, and it's not going well. Uh, I mean, like, no one really is expecting me to make fire. All I want to do is make this season as good as possible. He's one you can't lose sight of because he's going to do some tricky stuff. I think I'll be too good at the game. Well, now I will feel unrestrained and just shit-talking you when there you're go. terrible out there. Um, I think he's I think he's going to do some damage. Her legs are trunks. There's going to be times where I'm going to have to blindside somebody that I have befriended. If she flamed out fast, I'd be bummed for her, but not surprised. If I get voted out, I'm flipping shit. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. This is First One Out, Ghost Zero. Chapter 2, Anticipation Island. Once upon a time, I won Survivor. Granted, it was online Survivor, but a win's a win, and it wasn't my only victory. I spent my late teens navigating the virtual jungle and negotiating virtual votes, dreaming about the day I would one day navigate the genuine article. I applied for Survivor once. It was my final semester of college, smack dab in the middle of Survivor Cook Islands and Survivor Fiji. In the application video, I bathed half-naked in the Syracuse snow and ate my roommate's cat to prove I was willing to do anything to win the million dollars. For the record, no actual animals were harmed in the making of the tape. As of this recording, Nosset the cat is alive and pushing 15. Strangely, I never heard back from Survivor. And sadly, the application video no longer exists, unless the powers that be can sift through the archives. On the bright side, I now possess something even more humiliating. Audio and video evidence of the night I spent alone on a genuine Survivor Island. Careful what you wish for, Wiggler. Friday Night Lights, The Wire, Serial, prestigious dramas, all of them, and each one bonded by at least one common denominator. Controversial, if not outright panned second seasons. The sophomore slump, if you will. The very prestigious drama known as First One Out is fully prepared to follow suit. This season, not only are we on a journey of identifying the first one out of Ghost Island, we're on a journey toward the night that I eagerly and foolishly signed on to traipse around the jungle like a bona fide survivor. I was the first one out to Ghost Island, sentenced there the night before the season began. How did it go? I'm sure you can guess. We'll experience it together in the episodes ahead. You for the first time, me for the 227th time. That's how many nights it's been since my visit to Ghost Island as of this recording. It's like the tagline says, one bad decision can, and will in my case, haunt you forever. 
Before we revisit that evening in full, we're going to spend the next several chapters taking a closer look at the 20 Ghost Islanders, one of whom will be the first one out of the game, one of whom will be the official first one out to Ghost Island, and all of whom will have various voyages of their own. We'll dig into the men and women of Malolo and Naviti at a fairly tight clip, four players per podcast, with cameos from Jeff Probst and the rest of the Ghost Island cast when relevant. If you listen to the first season of First One Out, you already know the drill. This time, interviews with the castaways are presented in the order in which they occurred, across two days of conversations in the jungle. We begin our adventure bright and early on the morning of June 3rd, 2017, sitting under a tree in an island of mystery with Wendell Holland, member of the Naviti tribe. He's a furniture maker from Philadelphia, and with that background, he already has his eye on pulling off a classic, crafty survivor move. I think I will be very good at, if need be, making it, making an idol, and even um, using it as a bargaining chip. Um, you are a furniture maker. Yeah, I'm so creative. I'm so crafty. Do you have ideas for that already? You want to put anything on the record? Call your shot in case you do this, and then you're yeah, listening to awesome, this in a year. It'll be awesome to call your shot. Um. It's really a matter of me, like, like I could probably build an idol of the things around us right here, you okay. know, like, that that stuff will be used as a string, I could make it a little stringy, I would take one of these rocks, I would take, um, like, like that piece of wood right there, I would use that rock to carve in that wood, carve some crazy stuff, it won't look like a piece of wood, like, whoever, whoever had a fake idol, and it was like, the chick was like, this is a piece of wood, this isn't an idol, my idol looked like a real idol. Awesome, very cool. Another appearance of the effing stick, it's all coming together. So, not only is Wendell my first castaway interview of the season, he's also someone many people on the production side are picking to land in first place. I'm going with Wendell. I've, I've been, you know, it's funny, I've been picking women for the last few years, and for some reason this season I just see Wendell, um, watch, he's going to be the first one voted out. You know, the, you know, I hope I didn't put a hex on him. But I, I think Wendell has got, is, what, what's great about Wendell is he is, um, He's unassuming, you know. I think he has great social skills, but he's, you know, people see him. You're gonna see him as the furniture maker, but they don't realize that, you know, he went to Penn and he's really smart. And I think he can downplay that. But I think he's he's gonna have a, a strong, strong social game. He's a huge fan, so he's got he's got that that knowledge, um, and he's got some athleticism too. I mean, the guy plays basketball like five times a week. Um, I think he's I think he's gonna do some damage. Wendell's my choice to win. I'm trending in that direction as well. Okay, good. But I have to say this. Every time I pick someone to win, I know. I kill their game. I know. So what I'm hoping is since this is Ghost Island, you're going to reverse the curse. Yes. That Wendell will reverse my curse and actually win to show that that I'm not cursed. No, I like Wendell and Wendell was someone that when he walked into casting, I I etched a couple of quick notes, and they basically said, you know, home run. And, and Wendell was a guy we had to fight to get on the show, ironically, because there was somebody who didn't like him, and, and everybody's got a voice. And so Matt and I had to get down and get busy and say, you got to give us this one. We believe in him, and, and he's here. Wendell, how are you feeling? Feeling great, Josh. Are you feeling good? I, I like your buff, man. Thanks, you got, man. You're, you're Do you know what season this is from? Can you tell? I cannot. What's your Survivor fandom level? Uh, I'd say I'm like a level 
eight out of ten in that I've seen I've seen since 18, but okay. I watched all those like numerous times. Okay. Since 18. Since 18. Yeah. But the ones pre 18. I've watched 16, but nothing pre 16. Okay, cool. Uh, so we're gonna go through through some questions if you're cool for that. Let's do it. All right. So Wendell, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? I am a furniture designer from Philadelphia. 33 years old. Um, I went to law school actually. That's something I'm kind of hiding from the game. Um, in that. I went to UPenn Law. It's like a top 10 law school. Cool. Don't want people to know that I have a, like a real head on my shoulders or that I can be strategic or anything like that. I want to be the nice, friendly guy that can build stuff. I'm a furniture builder. What kind of furniture do you build? I build beds, tables, bars, things out of reclaimed wood and barn wood. Cool. What got you into that away from law? Uh, I was clerking for a judge in Philly. Um, wasn't loving my clerkship and always had a creative desire and I needed a bed, and beds were pretty expensive, the ones I liked. So, being that I'm a handy guy, I built my own bed. People loved it. I thought maybe I could try to move this thing on Craigslist. Sold it on Craigslist, made a few more, and it just boomed, and my judge retired. So then that gave me the opportunity to start building on my own. Nice, um, so why are you here? I'm here because I have been a super fan since 18. I've applied maybe like three, four times, I went to a couple like live castings and I think that finally this is this is my real time to be here because I've been a super fan but also the person that I think can get in the game and really play the game I think I think that's why they they got me um, so you've already said how much survivor you've seen who would you want to play like who are some people in survivor history whose games you think and you know are, are close to what you would like to put out there okay there's quite a few players um, that people know obviously like like Officer Sarah, Tony, uh, Jeremy. Um, Sarah and Tony specifically, they play, they're cops. So they see the world from a cop's perspective. They're super observant. They can notice things, they'll see something, she'll see an advantage at Michaela's foot. You know, they'll see things, but they play like criminals. That was Sarah's thing coming back and play like a criminal. Um, so that, that is an amazing way to play if, if you have those skills where you're so observant. Um, but me, I think of someone like Tyson. Tyson, he was like, you know, middle-aged kind of, I'm not middle-aged, but he, was, he wasn't the youngest guy out here. Right. Didn't have all the muscles out here. Had some spunk and charisma. He said some hilarious things. Um, but when it got down to it and later in the game when it came to challenges, he was a beast. I think that's the kind of player I could be. What's your confessional game going to be like? You going to be snarky? I think... At times, I certainly will be, and I'll be—I'll talk a little trash here and there. But I think, like, my story and the people that I'm playing for and things like that might come into play, and I might be—I might tug at some heartstrings, kind of like Jeremy did at some parts, or like, you know, I'm—I'm I'm playing for like everybody that's around me. Yeah. So test it out right now. Pull up my heartstrings. So what's what's your story, man? My story is, I have a father who was a prominent Philly attorney. He's like a big guy, like he was also in the government. He's like that father that's strong and that is the, the rock and things like that. Came from like the Cosby household, you know, my mother, super loving, amazing woman, and my father, the rock. Now, he's always wanted me to go to law school and do that. So I guess through undergrad and out of undergrad, I, I went to law school, I appeased him. But then there came a point when I was like, yo, I have to be my own man and I have to fulfill my own journey. So I started doing my own furniture thing. I started my furniture company. Um, 
and it seems sometimes I feel like you know he he's he's like man I'm, I'm here for you son but I'm not this isn't this isn't what I wanted you to do and so my heart kind of breaks there but then when he sees successes of mine like bought a, a very nice work car and things like that that like I can take care of myself dad um, when he sees that I know he's proud of me so I have this guy who I look just like and I'm just I've, I've been living life trying to make him proud you know and so now this is a huge step of mine this is my this has been a, a goal of mine for the last decade a dream of mine and now I'm finally here so my family visit as much as it could be my mom I'm a mama's boy I'll fall into her arms and start crying if I see her um, I wanted to be my dad like hey thank you for everything you've given me thank you for um, instilling the drive and the heart in me but like this is me this is this is me yeah you know so it's like a thank you and it's a you know it's I don't know I'll probably cry if, if I get that far if I see my dad I'll probably cry regardless he's so strong he'll probably give me the strength at that point so yeah there's that there's also my girlfriend back home it's her birthday in uh, 21 days from now okay so I left her and I gave her she wanted this fancy fancy pair of you can say the full word. <laughs> she wanted this fancy ass pair of sandals from a super high end store. And she never, she, she like alluded to it one time when a fancy lady was walking by. And I, I picked that up and I went out and got it for her. And I presented that to her before I left. And she was like off the wall. Cause like nobody should spend $800 on sandals, right? So I gave that to her as a birthday gift and then I was like, what can I really do on the 23rd when I'm gone? So I go in my parents' backyard by the bamboo, take off my shirt, mess up my hair, and like throw some dirt on me. And I set up my camera, my camera phone. And I'm like, I have this other little gift. I got some perfumes that she wanted so bad. And I'm like, hey baby, I'm out here on this island with these crazy people. And you know they're driving me crazy. I miss you so much, but I want to wish you a happy birthday. I'm just going to send this to you. You know, I just, so... I took this video, I wrapped a gift for her, I gave it to one of my guys that work with me and he's going to deliver it to her on the 23rd, so hopefully that'll go over well. Oh, and the video he's going to burn to a DVD and he's going to like just put it in her door. So, you know, it's like, how the how did this thing get here? He is on the island right now. So, there's my, my girlfriend. Um, so yeah, I got people and then I got two sisters that I love to death. They want to see me um, succeed. They know I'm following my dream. They know I've tried this tried for this for a long time i'm just ready to go yeah all right so let's talk a little bit how you're going to get there uh day one your boots hit the ground you're you're beginning the game how does that go if all things go the way you want them to what's your ideal first day in the game i find an advantage in whatever probes gives us to take to the island i find an advantage then i um when i when i get to the island because I'm very attentive, I find a random tree that's not around any other trees, or I find a weird looking tree with, I find an idol as well. Um, now, nah, for real though, like my first day would be, I would be um, right in the middle with the tribe. I'm not spouting out orders. I'm not trying to um, put a target on my back by being the super leader, um, but I'll be building a lot because I build. I'll be um, helping out with the shelter, trying some new ideas with, uh, with the shelter and hopefully I'll be able to like, 
hopefully I'll be able to start a fire without uh, without flint. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable with the survival element of Survivor? Um, when I when we win Flint, I'll certainly be able to make when fire. When we win Flint, I like that. So, 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 I mean, if we lose the first five, I mean, when we win the sixth one, yeah. Yeah, when we win Flint, um, I'll be able to make fire in three minutes. Whatever. If we don't win Flint, I have not tried the bamboo technique, but I've watched it a lot. Like I've tried Flint like every day practicing for this. I haven't tried the bamboo technique. I've watched it a lot, and I really I think I can do it. And if I can't do it because I'm not the biggest strongest person. I have quite a few of them on my team, and I'll just tell them how to do it. Cool. Um, I'm curious to get your like philosophy on the game of Survivor. You know, some people enter Survivor and they go, "This is a game. Anything goes. There are no lines. There are no boundaries." Do you think that there are lines in Survivor, or is it all just the game? I think that there's almost a gradation scale to that. Even there are no lines, Russell Hans. There are lines but not many like a like a tony and like a little further is like a officer sarah so what i the way i see it is i think i said before play play like a criminal but let's be real at the end of the day there is something that i'm going back home to i have morals you know i am secure in my morals there are things that i won't do but at the end of the day, I will try to play like a criminal. Cool. Um, what is your if somebody if somebody votes for you and you get blindsided out here, which is like the worst case scenario, obviously. Do you can you can you respect something like that? Can you respect a good move, or are you the kind of person who's going to get voted out? And it's like f this, f that. I'm furious with this person. Like what you know, that's some foresight into the future type of stuff. But can you imagine that scenario? And what kind of person are you that you? How would you react? If I get voted out, I'm flipping shit. <laughs> no, no. If I get voted out, um, I think as the game has evolved, players are respecting the gameplay, gaming this. If you get blindsided, like damn y'all did well respect um whereas i think back in russell hant's times they didn't respect his gameplay because I, th I think he also did shady stuff too but um i think his the way he played idols and stuff and brought people to the end i kind of would have voted for him nowadays i think gameplay is good if you blindside me hey y'all did better than me yeah. respect um i'm bitter i'm salty but when we get back to Ponderosa, because you'll be there one day, we'll toast and, like, you know, we'll be friends. What is your survivor nightmare? What is, like, the worst thing that could happen out here for you? The, I think the worst thing is, you know, like a, like a serious injury, you know? Medical, evac, something like that. I, I want to go back to my family and my loved ones healthy, you know? Yeah. I know I'll have all these scars and bug bites everywhere, but just get me back healthy. Yeah. Um, have you given any thoughts to twists, themes, anything like that? Are you speculating? I'm speculating, man. See, but I don't think I don't think CBS, I don't think Survivor would do like a Dems versus Repubs or something like that. Um, when I said when we they just broke us up for the first time ever, we were in boats, and it looked like I was amongst the kind of nerdy crew. I'm happy with that. I'm fine being with those people. Um, it was my fro bro it was the girl that reminds me of Michaela it was actually the tall girl that reminds me of Kim it was the Russell Hans mafioso dude um, that looked like a cool tribe if that's my tribe I'd be happy with that I can work with that um, 
it might be here's what i thought also when i was in there because i'm like ah oh, those pretty girls are in the other one that big bonehead's in the other one maybe it's like gamer strategists or super fans against people that aren't so much super fans or like a beauty tribe or some some kind of tribe that does not know as much as this tribe because my the people that were in my boat look like they know some things yeah what's the best advice you received before you came out here from anybody anybody who knew you were about to embark on this journey my little bro who's not my real bro but he's my little bro he said these people aren't your friends and then my my best friend cliff said he was like he's like you're built for this shit go go he just said that he said that to me he and i strategized over a few lunches before i came and he was like you're built for this shit go get it yeah so you're just gonna have so, that echoing in your head. Yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna jump in. Like I'm scared of eating things. I'm a little scared of heights. Those are my fears. I don't love bugs, but who loves bugs? Um, but like in an eating contest, I'm ready to jump in. Give me a tarantula, I'll eat it. Um, the one, the one contest where Tony was standing on that like telephone pole, and he was like, "Yo, do you feel this?" I think I would react the same way because like that is a little intimidating. I don't love heights, but like I'm ready to jump in. Yeah. When things get bad out here, what's like the funniest memory that you've got that you're just going to go back to? Like, what's something that has happened in your life where you're going to be like, man, this sucks, but remember when that happened, that was great. Life's been good and hilarious. I think a more recent thing is uh, one of the guys that works for slash with me, um, his name's Chris, and he said, he's like, man, I'm going to meet you out on that island, man. You're going to see me in a little boat coming out there. And like every time I just picture this little crazy man coming out here, I think I will, uh, I think I'll smile. He's the guy who's delivering the present to my girlfriend. Very cool, 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 yeah. cool. What are people going to dislike about you? Is there something about you that you can feel is gonna set people off? I am a leader and I can, I can tend to like, I play a lot of basketball, I talk a lot of trash. If I don't curb that, people might not like that. And like, yeah. I saw Jervis talking trash in one season and that put a target on him. Um, being a leader sometimes is puts a target on you out here. So I want to lead from within the tribe and within the trenches and by doing things more so than spouting it off. Um, and I don't want to talk any trash. I want to get our team hyped and get them pumped up and amped. But I don't want the other tribe to see that and, and use that against me. Awesome. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. Great you, feel, you, you feeling excited out here? I'm so excited. How can you not be? Here's right? the thing. I was like... Happy to be here for a while here, walk this way. and thankful. Yeah. And um, but then I started getting in like, hey, I'm about to take off the head and cut the throat. Yeah, that's the that's like the first time. Yeah. 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 How's it going? Hey. I'm Josh. I know you. Oh, you too. Like you're my friend. Like you don't know. Oh me. no! <laughs> nice to meet you. Hey, I'm nice Josh. To meet you, Laurel. Laurel. Yes. Really nice to meet you. Second player on the board, Laurel Johnson of the Malolo tribe, Survivor superfan turned Survivor player. She's such a fan of Survivor, in fact, that she was a dedicated Rob Has a Podcast listener long before making it onto the show. In speaking with Laurel, I see her as smart, articulate, gentle, a decisive physical force, and it's a read that's shared by some of the other players. Very friendly. Um, also... I, I suspect she was some kind of high-level athlete at some point because she's really muscled up and tall and strong. So I bet she'll be she'll be really strong in, in challenges. Um, she's sweet. I think um, she is again in very in control of her emotions. 
athletic, um, just her whole body type and obviously the height of her, she's very tall, um, but she's got her shit together and she's very observant. Others are having a harder time reading Laurel. I don't have a great read on her, unfortunately. She seems really nice. Uh, she seems really sweet. She seems smart. When I first saw her, I'm like, really tall, strong-looking lady. I'm like, uh, like you are probably some sort of athlete. But like, then I see her in glasses, and I'm like, maybe you're actually just a book nerd. And I have the misconception of you as some, like, you know, I don't know, long jumper. I don't know. It, so I, 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 I don't have a great read on her yet, but she seems cool. Uh, and I'd be happy to work with her, I think. Uh, she's a hard one. Um, hard to read? Y- yeah, smiley. Um, to herself, tall, I think. <laughs> I don't really have much on her. Still others are looking out at Laurel and seeing someone eerily familiar. She's one, she's one of the, like, three or four that I, I have a tough read on. My guess is, is I could see... Uh, some Michaela in her, possibly. I could see her being really fiery. You know, she's sort of quiet, sort of timid, Just especially just how, like, Michaela was when she first started. She might be the best observant person on here. So she's going to be a great observer. She is, like, big and strong. Her legs are trunks. She could almost be, like, a Michaela-type strong athletic woman. Uh, I love her. Oh, I hope she's so, I hope she's like Michaela or Devon or whatever. Because <laughs> it's just, I would I would love to have that type of personality because I love that. I love the the bluntness and the honesty and just the flamboyance of her. Oh, I can't wait to meet her. The Michaela comparisons are funny to me in hindsight, considering that Laurel was this close to being part of the cast of Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X. More on that shortly. First, some thoughts on Laurel from Probst, and then my interview with Laurel. Laurel, we've wanted on the show for a while. She said she was in the mix for Millennials and Gen X. Yeah, and it just didn't work. It just We just had too many people, and it didn't seem right. So we kept in contact with her, and she stayed. She kept her energy and her spirit up and her belief in us. Laurel's biggest problem is going to be she has so many threatening qualities that I think she's going to have to downplay them. And the other is going to be, she's going to have to mix well with others really quickly. And in the room, in casting, she was really social. But when I was watching her on the first day at the marooning, I wasn't sure if she was nervous or what. So my question for Laurel is going to be, like, what is she doing right now on the beach? Is she engaging or is she a little standoffish? My name is Laurel, I'm 29 years old, and I'm a financial consultant, and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a Survivor super fan, so I'm thrilled to be here. Um, it's, it's a dream come true to be here for me. I've been watching since day one, season one, so it's pretty incredible to actually be here playing the game myself. So day one super fan? Yes, day one super fan. What hooked you in? It's just something my family watched together. I think my parents told me about it. We started watching it together. It's something that we've watched every season together for as long as we lived at home. And then even now when we don't live at home, we'll call each other and talk about what happened. So it's just something that's always bonded our family together. So Survivor's a family show for you? It's a family show for us, yeah. What's the thing about Survivor that keeps you hooked all these years later? Because it's like 17 years ago we're talking (laughs) about now. Um, You know, it's the greatest game there ever is. The combination of the physical, the mental, the strategizing, the competitions, the challenges. I think it's just this incredible game that people underestimate. And it's just, it's fascinating. I've gotten some of my friends hooked into it. My boyfriend had never seen the show before I came out here. And so I've got him hooked the last week or so. How did you do it? How did you hook him in? What was the season? (laughs) 
you know what? I showed him Worlds Apart, actually, which is a surprising hook. But <laughs> I liked all of those really mean people. Yeah. That just seemed to be something that worked. Yeah, but he's hooked, and now he loves it. So I feel like I've done my job and converted another super fan. So. What, what does your family, what does he think about you being out here? I don't think he understands it. Like, before I left, he was like, why aren't you bringing more outfits to play the game in? And I'm like, you only get one. Like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so I think it's a little weird for him, but for my family, they are incredibly pumped. I feel like they're out here playing with me and I want to, you know, do good and make them proud because it's a dream for me and it's a dream for all of us. So So, uh, I don't have to ask you how much Survivor you know. I would love to know who are some of your favorite players? Who would you like to play like out here? Yeah, my favorite player is Three Fields. Three Fields over everyone. She's the best, hands down. I don't care if she hasn't won ever, the best. Um, So I want to play like her in the sense kind of running the game strategically, but hopefully do better in the challenges. I think that's been her flaw. She hasn't been able to save herself when she needs to. So I think play the game strategically like her, but be able to save myself in challenges if I need to. Do you feel confident in challenges? Yeah, I was a division one athlete in school. It's been a few years, but I think I'm still in pretty good shape. So I think I'll do well, especially looking at some of the other people out here. I think I'll be in the mix in all the challenges, which will be good. Yeah, what do you think about the cast? You know what? Surprisingly, it's a very young cast. I feel like I'm looking for like the token older person or the kind of out of shape people, but like it's a very young, fit cast. Um, so that was surprising to me. I think there's a couple super fans. You can tell because their eyes kind of light up when they see certain things. So I'm excited about that. But a lot of people that maybe don't know the game so well, I think you can tell people are confused and don't really know what's going on. So I'm hoping I'm going to try with those people. What did you think when you set foot in Fiji and it started to dawn on you that this thing that you'd been watching for all these years was something that you were now going to experience firsthand? You know what? I feel like I finally started to believe that I was coming then. I was almost on season 33 and I got cut at the last second so it was kind of the past year feeling like I was going and then not going and so up until the moment I got off the plane here I still didn't even believe it was real until I actually set foot here now it feels real talking to you it feels real (laughs) so uh we know who you like who are your least favorite survivors and maybe to like make that even more productive like what are the types of people you do not want around you in terms of the game yeah you know what I'm a super fan, so I love super fans, but I don't want other super fans with me. I want to be the person that knows the game best. I want to be running the game. So if there's a John Cochran out there, I love him, but I don't want him with me because he's too smart and he knows the game too well. Um, I would don't want someone like a Natalie Tenerelli type. Um, you know, I feel like those girls tend to stick around as goats for the end. and Followers. Followers, yeah. So I don't want goats at the end. I want to unless I'm taking them. I didn't want someone else to be able to take the goats with them. So I got to get those down if they're not out there as threats as well. What do you think, though, in terms of the super fan thing? I think that's interesting, and I totally hear where you're coming from, yeah. but also in terms of, like, scene partners. You know, the the great survivor, like, camaraderies of, like, uh, JT and Steven yeah. and things like that. Are you looking for something like that? Would you want somebody who's similarly minded about the game or really anybody like that you want out of here? You know what? I want a number one. I want someone that I can almost trust with everything, but I want want to know the game better than them. I want to be smarter than them so that I'm calling the shots. I don't want someone that's challenging my decisions. I kind of want to be able to call the shots and have them follow. So if I can be the Steven, I'll gladly take a JT, but I don't want a Steven with me. Cool. Um, So what's your ideal day one? You get your boots on the ground, survivors ready, go. You're with your tribe. How does that day go if it goes perfectly? Hopefully not too many bugs and rats and creepy crawlers around me, I would say. (laughs) I'm a little bit nervous about just kind of the being outside in the elements. I'm hoping it's 
better than I thought it would be because I'm thinking the worst right now. So I'm hoping that day one I get out there and I'm like, all right, that's not so bad. Um, so that'd be good. And then I think I really want a strong tribe because I'd rather not have to go to tribal council early. So if I can have a good, strong, athletic tribe, that would be great as well. Have you been preparing for the survival aspect of it? Like, how do you prepare for something like this? No, I, I kept telling myself to, but I'm just not the type of person. <laughs> so <laughs> my boyfriend wanted to take me camping before we left. It just didn't happen. I kind of didn't want to go. So I figured I'd just come out here and see what happens. So. Yeah. So you're not going to be the fire starter probably. No, uh, not on day one at least. Maybe I want to learn though. I do want to learn how to make the fire. So I'm going to try to sit by the person that's making the fire, watch what they do so that I can do it and hopefully be able to do it if I need to save myself in that way. And is that just to learn the information or is there an aspect of that that is, you know, being the student to someone's master and maybe forging relationships that way. Yeah, I would love for kind of a macho guy to feel like he's the leader out here. I want to learn what he's doing. He's the best. So if I can make someone feel good in that way, I think that would be great. Cool. What do you think about idols? Advantages are obviously hot right now on yes. Survivor after yes. game changers. Are you going to be, you know, ferociously looking for these yeah, things? I'm What's your philosophy? I'm nervous about what it, it is. I feel like something crazy is coming and I don't know what it is. So I'm going to be looking for it. I'm nervous about actually having to like go into the <laughs> brush and look for it but I want it so I want I want to know where it is and I'm also nervous about playing it right that's the other thing we've seen a couple of people misplay advantages or go home with them in their pocket so I want to have it so that I know where it is and I just have to focus on making sure I play it right if I get it coming out of game changers where do you think survivor is like what's what's your view on on where this game is right now? I think we saw the best season that we've ever seen. I really? think it continues to climb. I mean, Survivor Out does itself year after year, and I'm excited to hopefully be a part of the next step up. Yeah, you think that just the the speed of the game and the pace of the game? Oh, it's gone fast. You know, I'm hoping that game changers it was a returnee so i'm hoping it was a little faster and maybe we'll slow it down a little bit we're all kind of unsure of ourselves out here so i'm hoping it's not quite as fast um because that was a really fast season and it got going really quickly so hopefully a little slower is this just a game you know there's people who have so many different philosophies about survivor and there are people whose lines are pretty you know their boundaries are vast there are people who play in tight boxes of i won't do this i won't do that What's your view of that? Do you think that there are lines in the sand on Survivor? I think anything goes in Survivor. I've seen people say they wouldn't lie and they get nothing for doing that. There's no prize for having great morals. There's no prize for being honest. So for me, like, I'm here to win. I don't like anything about Survivor except for playing the game. Like, I don't need to be out here for the adventure. I don't want to be out here for the camping, for the rain. So for me, like, I'm here to do whatever it takes to win because that's the only reason I'm here. Whether it's lying, stealing, deceiving, backstabbing, blindsiding, all the good stuff. What's the sneakiest thing you're willing to do out here? Ooh, I'll look at people's bag for an idol. I don't mind that. <laughs> you wouldn't get mad at that? I would get mad if someone did it to me, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking for them. If it's a bulge in the pocket, if it's something in the shoe and the bags, I'll be looking. So in that regard, I'd be curious, you know, let's say the worst happens and yeah. you get voted out. Let's hope it never happens. Don't put that in the air. But, but, if, it, but <laughs> if it does, you know, it, and it's an ex, like a well-executed blindside, yeah. do you see yourself, you know, I, I guess what I'm asking is what kind of loser are you? You know, like, are you a, are you a sore loser? Yeah. Or are you somebody who can, you know, game respects game? Game respects game. I'm an athlete. I've been an athlete all my life. So if I get blindsided or someone gets me, like I'm willing to tip my hat and say good job. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But no, I'm not going to ruin someone's game on the way out. I respect the game too much for that. So if I'm out and they get me, I'll give them credit for it and move on. Cool. What's your survivor nightmare? What is like the, the worst thing outside of that that could happen out here? My survivor nightmare. 
Um, probably being stranded on Exile Island. I <laughs> cannot do that. So I'm hoping there's no Exile Island, no place you have to stay alone. I do not want that. I don't know if I could start the fire to keep myself there. So no, hopefully no Exile Island. Yeah. Um, what is your survivor dream outside of winning? Like, what is the what is the thing that you really want to get out of this experience? <sighs> Pulling off some crazy blindsides. I, you know, I'm a fan of the game. I love seeing the crazy blindsides. A three, two, one vote would be nice. So making some really cool moves out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a situation where hopefully it's going to be filled with tons of highs, but probably lots of lows yeah. as well. It is Survivor yeah. after all. Uh, do you have like a like a funny memory, like something that's like just hilarious in life that you'll latch on to in the, in the darkest of times? I should have thought of that, huh? <laughs> um, I have a dog back home and he does some pretty silly and stupid things. What's so. your, tell me about your dog. <laughs> Brady, he's a Bernese Mountain dog, so I call him my little puppy. He's only one, but he's you know, 100 pounds already, and he's just kind of dopey. He's adorable, but dopey, and he'll run into things and run and trip himself, and he's just kind of too big for his own good, so hopefully just thinking about him doing some silly stuff will help me. Um, I've got twin nieces at home that are one years old, so hopefully thinking about them and thinking of their smiles and them giggling will help get me through it as well. well what are people going to dislike about you? What is just gonna, what are you gonna do that someone's just like, nope, not feeling it, not into it? I think I'll be too good at the game. Like, I'm afraid that I will be wanting to call the shots and maybe rub some people the wrong way because I feel like I'm gonna know what to do, I'm gonna know what needs to be done, and I'm gonna be strong about it. So, they might feel like I'm too pushy, maybe a little too bossy, but you know, it's my job to convince them it's the right thing to do. So you listen to podcasts, you read stuff yes. online, that's how deep of a, of a survivor yes. nerd you are? Yes. Tell me about it. Well, I've been listening to uh, the podcast all the time out here. I've had nothing to do with <laughs> but listen to podcasts and read. So, you know, I listen to all the podcasts. I watch the show and then listen to, what, like 10 hours of podcasts about it after the one-hour show. So I feel like I know everything there is to know. Hopefully it doesn't hurt me. I feel like I could overthink things and put a little too much thought into it. Yeah. But I feel like I, I have all the knowledge that I need to win the game. Yeah. Um, tell me about, uh, about Yale and being a college athlete and everything like that just a little bit about that experience it must have dominated your life during that time yeah so I went to Yale and I played volleyball there which is pretty demanding um, I was traveling half the week for volleyball and surrounded by a ton of smart people in a pretty competitive environment but I think that helps me here because I was around competitive people around people that are smart and athletic and had to do well amongst them so hopefully that helps me here why should people pick you as their winner pick I'm the triple threat I went to Yale I'm a former college athlete and I'm a super fan, so I feel like I'm smarter, stronger, and know the game better than anyone here. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Oh my gosh. That's it. This is so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is nothing. You're about to do this on, on the cameras and in all the... Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> what you're doing here is the, you know, the experience of a lifetime. Here, I'll walk you back. No, it's awesome. You having fun so far? Yeah. Or is the Ponderosa thing just crazy? You know what? It sucks, but in the sense of... Raise your hand if you watch Game of Thrones. Just kidding. Don't actually raise your hand. I can't see you. But if she's listening, I certainly hope the Naviti tribe's Chelsea Townsend raised her hand. At the very least, she reads Game of Thrones, based on what Jenna Bowman, Wendell Holland, and Stephanie Johnson tell me about Chelsea's pregame pastimes. 
she always reads Game of Thrones books, and she looks like a character from Game of Thrones. So I think she's going to be pretty cool. She is like a creature from Game of Thrones. She's reading a Game of Thrones book. Her initials are CT. And um, she just seems like um, a, a character. Uh, she seems like a nice person, but you don't always get eye contact with everyone. And a lot of people, some people smile at you. She's not one of the people that smile at me, but um, she's Game of Thrones. She is like the really, really hot nerd. Like she is hot. She's a total babe. And um, I think I could connect with her on like, all things nerdy like I feel like I probably talk about like Game of Thrones with her Walking Dead these you know. are your shows oh yeah hell right, yeah when, I've got a total nerd side look me up too. after this we'll nerd out about <laughs> yes. those things as well so you think that you can bond with her on yes that? absolutely I wish I had known that Chelsea was part of the Westerosi before our chat alas she was my third interview of the session consider it back pocketed for whenever we speak again and to hear some of the other players tell it that second chance at a conversation with Chelsea could come much sooner than Chelsea would like. She seems like she doesn't know what she's doing here. I feel like she's been walking around in little bathing suits the whole time, maybe not really sure what she's here for, so I'm hoping I can take advantage of that. She has a quietness to her, but definitely possibly a dark side. So she could be one of those that I could see flipping back and forth and backstabbing people uh, without anyone even knowing. Yeah, so that's potentially dangerous. She's definitely potentially dangerous, but I also wouldn't be surprised if she's one of the first one voted out because she doesn't click with everybody. She is kind of gawky, but I think it's an insecurity that she's got. Um, she's a little bit... I think she's more petite, which I'm kind of petite too, so she probably will be maybe an underdog if she gets far into the game. But she's got red hair, so I think she's more of like go with the flow, peer pressure, gives in to any kind of peer pressure, can probably be easily persuaded. For her part, Chelsea, who's not only a professional cheerleader, but is also an EMT, feels quite confident she'll last longer than three days. Ah, oh, well, that's your survivor right there. <laughs> she has survivor written across there her forehead. Go. That's the wildling spirit. My conversation with Chelsea coming up right after these words from Probst. Chelsea, if she flamed out fast, I'd be bummed for her, but not surprised. And if she ran an alliance, I also wouldn't be surprised. I think it comes down to how much of her EMT training and experience can she apply to this game? Because she says, people see me as a young, pretty woman, and they forget that I'm in life or death situations. I'm not gonna be the one panicking when the vote is coming or in the middle of a challenge or if we can't get fire going. If that's true, those are really amazing skills. But as we've all seen, it's one thing to say it, it's another to do it. So tell me, who are you? My name is Chelsea. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm 25 years old. I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I've lived in Los Angeles for the last two years though. Which do you prefer, LA or Salt Lake City? Um. You know, at first I would have said LA, but now I prefer home. Why? <laughs> City. There's too many people in LA and there's too much traffic. <laughs> Are you driving around everywhere? You yes. have to, right? Yes. Yeah, and I have a long commute to work, unfortunately. So. How, how bad's the commute? Where are you and where's work? I, I live in downtown LA and I commute to Orange County. That's tough. Yeah. Daily. Daily, yes. I signed a lease in downtown right before I got a new job and then found out it was in Orange County. So, 
It's just the way it is right That's now. Tough. All right. Well, your commute is maybe a little, I don't know if it's easier. At least it's idyllic. You know, you're out here in Fiji now. Yeah. So tell me, what do you do? Um, I am an EMT and a medical assistant. So I did EMT for a while. Right now I'm a medical assistant for an orthopedic surgeon. Um, so I work in his clinic. I also am a professional cheerleader. So you do both? I do both. That's yes. a lot. Yes, it is. So you like to be busy? <laughs> I love to be busy. I love to take advantage of opportunities and, and learn and try new things. So I always keep myself way too busy. So what got you into being an EMT? What put you down that path? I'm actually on the road to becoming a physician's assistant. So that's the career I desire. So I wanted to get some experience in the field. I also thought, you know, being an EMT would be a really cool way to do that. Um, really cool way to help people. So I started being an EMT, you know, had some great experience with that. And then I also wanted to see not only the hospital side of things and emergency side of things, but the clinical side of things where you really get to meet patients, talk to patients, see them come back feeling better. So then I switched over to um, clinic for an orthopedic surgeon, have been working in there. And um, this is all just kind of preparing me for physician's assistant school. And it's, you know, it's been the top of my list goal for a very long time. So it's all just in preparation. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So how'd you get into cheerleading? I have been dancing since I was like two. <laughs> so I've just been doing it my whole life. I grew up, you know, dance mom style studio dancing. And, um, you know, once I turned 18 and I went to college, I was looking for a part-time job and realized there was an opportunity to be a professional dancer um, for our NBA team and I decided to try out and luckily I was good enough and I've been doing it ever since for you know a couple different teams. Do you enjoy it? I love it. The best part about it is it doesn't feel like a job. Um, it's so much fun and I'm a huge sports fan. I mean, my dad raised me to be a big football girl. Okay. So for me it's so fun. There's no better seat in the house like I'm on the field or I'm on the court. <laughs> So what does it feel like to be out there with just like a screaming crowd surrounding you? There's nothing like it. I mean, there's so much energy and like you have so much adrenaline. There's thousands of people in the crowd and you know, you're watching professional sports. It's intense, it's exciting. Yeah, it's there's nothing better. So you can't hear the crowd or see the crowd here, but you're about to step into what some might call the greatest of games. Yes. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about embarking on your survivor experience here? I am so excited. That's an understatement. I don't even know how, I'm more than excited. Um, I've been watching the game, the show, for so long. And my family, we're all huge fans of this show. I mean, commercial break comes on and we talk about strategy and what did you think of that person's move or I would have played it differently. So for a long time, I've been watching the show. So to actually be out here and get a chance to, to be on the show and experience what they experience, I'm so excited. I'm so ready. It's going to be freaking hard, but I'm excited. <laughs> so you, you say that this is a family show for you guys. You've been watching for a yeah. long time. So give me a sense of like your Survivor super fandom. Like, are you, would you classify yourself as a super fan or just a, you know, a regular viewer? Like, what would you say? I would like to say I'm a super fan. I mean, I've watched probably the last, oh, since I was young. I mean, it's been seasons and seasons. Like, I... I love everything about the show. I love the competitiveness. I love the strategy. I love the surprises and the blind sides. <laughs> it's all super fun to me and it's exciting to be part of it. Yeah. Who's your favorite player? I would have to say I'm a big fan of Parvati. 
Um, I really liked her social game. I know that she could be, you know, portrayed as villainous, but she really genuinely made a connection with everybody she played with and they trusted her and you know she got far because of that because she made real connections with people and that's kind of what I hope to do as well. Yeah you want to emulate that kind of exactly. Style. Who do you hate from Survivor? Like who are the types of people like the types of players that you would hate to see out here? You know I like to think I'm a pretty laid-back person like I'm positive but I'm also pretty laid-back. Um, you know people like Debbie who can just fly off the handle at a moment's notice or people who just kind of have a, a quick temper and they flare up really quickly I feel like those people I'm gonna be kind of like okay I'll just sit back walk and, on eggshells around <laughs> yeah yeah they'll let you uh do your thing yeah um so you know you're gonna get out there the game's gonna begin you're gonna be on your tribe you're gonna have boots on the ground how does that first day go if everything goes according to plan, like your ideal first day on Survivor? Ideal first day is I get paired up with an awesome team that's really strong, that's going to win a bunch of the first <laughs> challenges so I don't have to go to tribal council for a while. Yeah. Um, that I find a secret little hidden immunity idol or, um, you know, some sort of helpful thing on the ground that nobody sees, nobody sees. And, um, you know, just we build a really strong camp. We have, you know, people that are very, like, no lazy people. I want people that are hardworking and excited and have good energy. And, and yeah. Are lazy people going to drive you nuts? You know, I don't think I'll particularly like them because I'm a go-getter and I work hard and I like to, like, kind of get stuff done. So I don't think I'll be able to relate with them as much. But... I'm not really a confrontational person either, so I don't think I'd be like, get your butt off the ground. <laughs> That's not me. You're not going to be screaming at people. <laughs> no, I, I won't. I'll just be hanging back being like, eh, you're going to go home because you're not doing anything. Save it for the confessional. Exactly. Much. So you, you mentioned you're hoping hoping you'll find some of these small idols on the ground, little advantages in the oh, trees yeah. and all of that stuff. So give me a little bit of your philosophy on all of that. Are you going to be looking around a lot? Are you going to be aggressive in that regard? You know, I think one of the biggest things about this game is you've got to keep the target off your back. If people think that you have an advantage, you are the biggest target at the game at that point. And so I think it's crucial to find those items because they can save your life sometimes and you never know how things are going to go. Um, it's nice to kind of have a, a plan B option. So I think I'll always be aware. I mean, they always seem to be in pretty... Uh, obvious places but nobody seems to look right and so I'm you know come into it knowing like I'm gonna really keep an eye on things like weird like knobs on the tree that you know aren't on other trees or like weird little figures I think it's important to just be aware and keep an eye out so that when you get an opportunity alone you can hurry and look real quick see if it's there and then nobody sees you so I think it's very important to be secretive because it's great to find it, but if people know, you're screwed. <laughs> How are you on, like, the survival aspect of all of this? Like, are you good on fire? Are you good on living in the outdoors? How are you feeling about all of that? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Utah. We love the outdoors in Utah. I mean, we have four seasons and we're outside for all of them. You know, we're snowboarding in the winter, boating in the summer, fall and spring, we're camping, we're hiking, we're outside. And, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit different. I grew up in the mountains. This is more of a beach. But... Um, you know, I've always been really 
I've been a really outdoorsy person my whole life. I love going camping. I love, you know, learning new things like how to fish and how to do things on my own. I used to craft little boats with a pocket knife and race them down the river. Cool. <laughs> so I'm excited to, to see what I can do out here and, and actually survive out here in the wild. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to get your kind of philosophy of survivor. Like a lot of people, you know, they'll come into the game with strict lines that they're not willing to cross. Mm -hmm. There are others who come in, there's like, there's no such thing is a line there are no boundaries that's how big their boundaries are mm -hmm. where do you fall on that like do you think that there are lines that you can't cross on survivor or are there no lines in this game yeah i think there are certain boundaries um i don't know necessarily in the game but just for me personally um you know obviously this is a game i'm a loyal person but there's going to be times where i'm going to have to blindside somebody that i have befriended or um you know go against somebody's trust that's just part of the game it's not you know what really resonates to me in my real life but that's just the fact of the game but you know like just as far as like being um super confrontational or anything like that like it's just not my style and um as much as I'm going to be competing with these people I have a level of respect for all of them because they're going to be going through the same thing I am so I feel like everybody you know whether I resonate with them or not I have a certain level of respect for everybody out here and there's certain things that just you know I'm not gonna cross that line like what what's an example of that like what's something that you just definitely would not do I don't know just like um, bashing on their character who they are as a person because this is a game and ne not necessarily what we do in this game is a reflection of who we are as actual people um, I think sometimes that's skewed when people watch it they think oh they must be this type of person because they act this way in the game but it's a game yeah. So. Cool. Um, in that regard, uh, let's say the worst happens and you get voted out someday. Let's try not to focus too much on that. No. But just in the in the in the possible future where such a thing happens, and it's like done in a really like well executed way. Like the game is played really well, and unfortunately, it doesn't work out for you. Yeah. How are you as a loser? Like, are you a sore loser, or are you like a game respects game, well played, good job? You know. I grew up a super competitive person. I mean, my both my parents were athletes. I was an athlete. My sister was an athlete, is an athlete still. But um, so I have a huge competitive drive in me. I've always been that way. But because I have had this big background in athletics and competition, I have a big respect for, you know, the game or the way the sport is played. And even when you're, you're beat, you have to have a level of respect because you got beat, you got outplayed. And so, you know, I think as much as I'll be disappointed because I definitely want to win this thing, I'll have, you know, a level of respect. Like, if you're able to get me out, then kudos to you because I'm going to be playing hard. What's the best advice anyone gave you before you came out here? Um, I would have to say I got some good advice from my mom. You know, she just said, you know, be true to who you are, but, you know, play hard and, and be respectful and, you know, be nice. But do it you know play hard that's good all right we are all set so i'll walk you back to the tent <laughs> how are you feeling about everything you're feeling good yeah i'm really excited to just get started yeah i'm sure i can't imagine it's this, just this been hard like just sitting on like anticipation <laughs> island yeah and just of course like, oh, okay let's go yeah it sounds like a good idea for one of the ghost islanders has been living on anticipation island for several years now his name is Bradley Kleeg, or maybe it's Bradley Kleig, I don't know. Tomato, tomato, Kleeg, Kleeg, whatever works. Either way, 
Survivor called the whole thing off with Bradley, now of the Naviti tribe, a few years ago, when he was in line for a different season of the show. Survivor Kagiyan, arguably the best season of the modern Survivor era, and the best season period according to certain hyperbolic opinions that are certainly not my own but may actually very well be my own. Much as Laurel Johnson could have been Michaela once upon a time, Bradley was almost Spencer Bledsoe, this close to the Llama Crossfire between King Tony and Chaos Cass. Now, he's on a different Survivor beach, and he's coming in with cocksure self-assuredness and game plans galore, built on years and years of thinking about the game. So you would like to work with people who know Survivor? I would, initially. I think, you know, the game the game evolves. I think the problem is uh, with some people, and maybe they just don't have the knowledge base of Survivors, they don't realize that, like, the game you play the first 10 days it, is very different than the game you have to play the last 10 days, I think. Um, and, and I guess, like, the most famous way you hear this is people are like, I'm going to fly under the radar. But to a lot of people, that means, like, I'm not going to do jack shit. I'm just going to sit there. And when I say fly under the radar, that's not what I mean by that. I mean, like covert control of the game by by talking to people and trying to lead them to the person that you want gone without having to say that person's name and then you can be more overt in the last 10 days and so it evolves the way you have to play and and your strategy has to change and so i think definitely for the first two-thirds of the game there's there's no reason why everyone that knows the game needs to clash then like let's get rid of the people that i don't know how they ended up here like let's play with fans um with that said, like I'm not gonna take a fan longer than I should because they're they're lethal, they're they're dangerous. Um, but yeah, if I could find someone that really knows the game that I could work with for a while, then I think that would only help my game because I I'm not so you know I'm not Stephen Fishback. Yeah. Uh, you know I I realize that it's probably a really good thing to have someone else that's thinking on the level I'm thinking on that I can bounce ideas back off of because if you're surrounded by people that don't really know what they're doing or maybe they just watch 34 or something you know it's just you're not going to get a whole lot back from them they're not going to know like when your plan is flawed or like when it's probably not the best idea so you need to be with someone that's like you know someone tried to do that in like season 31 and this blew up and here's how it blew up and why it blew up and you know maybe we should do it a little differently so I think definitely Bradley sees himself as entering Survivor on a certain level, one that's more elevated than some of the others he's about to play against. There's some arrogance there, for sure, but just as importantly, Bradley is optically and obviously strategically dangerous, as observed by several others on the cast. Oh, I wonder if he's from the Midwest, like some investment banker, like doing the right thing. Like he seems like very, very smart and I probably would want to get to know him, could see myself being friends with him, but I wouldn't trust him a lick. Oh, he is, I feel like you can't, you can't lose sight of him. He may not be in my sights at first because he's, he may not be the strongest guy. You know, we're all looking at the strong guys and all that, but he's one you can't lose sight of because he's going to do some tricky stuff. See, he's he's one of those guys that sits below the radar, and those are the ones you have to watch out for, I think, because the ones you're watching out for are the ones that are not generally going to win, but it's the ones that are behind your back that you have to keep an eye out. He might have a chance of winning the game. Let's hear from Bradley, last interview of this chapter, after we hear Probst's thoughts on the guy. I love Bradley. Bradley is the kind of guy that I would wish we could have every season because he's really bright, gets the game, puts together thoughts in a way similar to a Cochran or a Zeke that sound very familiar, but he says it in a fresh way. 
And so you kind of lean into him. He's either, depending on your definition, confident or arrogant. I don't know really what the difference is sometimes, but I know that I find it very appealing. So tell me who you are. Um, I'm Bradley, I'm 25. I'm a law student at UCLA, originally from Michigan, but currently living in Los Angeles. And what's your relationship to Survivor, aside from the fact that you're about to be on it? Yeah, <laughs> um, I have been a huge fan of Survivor since the second season. So I've been watching it since I was nine. Since you were nine years nine, old? Nine, yeah, and I'm so excited to be here, yeah. How long have you wanted to come out here ever since? Um, since you first I started sent watching? in the first video five years ago, almost made it. Um, but what season was that for? 28. Spencer took my spot. Oh. Um, so you have a grudge? Well, no, or a I, kinship, I lovingly a refer to him as Spot Stealer. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I was watching it, you know, didn't make it, almost went to, almost made it, and then, you know, it pops on and the promos start playing, and as soon as I saw him, I was like, damn, that kid. That yeah, was me. That was my spot. That was supposed to be me. Yeah, so I've uh, come close a couple times, and... How would you have done on that season? Would you have done as well as Spencer? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll do better this season than I would have back then. Uh, just, you know, I'm older. I think I was like 20 at the time, 21. Um, so I would have been pretty young. Uh, of course, I'm in law school now. I think that helps a lot with Survivor because uh, it's, it's mostly a degree in like bullshitting people and picking them apart. So, yeah, I mean, I, in a way, I guess I'm glad that this is my chance now because I think I'll do better. But it, it's been tough, you know. Yeah. You're like you, you get so close, you can almost taste it. And then... It's like, oh no, I fell short. And then it's like, the in the back of my head, it was always like, it was not ever like a question of like, if I ever got on Survivor, it was like a when. And so then it was like, each year would roll around and it was like, maybe this year. And then it wouldn't happen. It was like, oh God, I'm tired of waiting. Like, let's go. So yeah, I, I've been like grinning ear to ear since I got to the hotel in LA. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. so excited. So how would you, uh, how would you classify your odds for this? Like if you think that you would do better at this time, what do you think, you know, looking out at the cast, looking at it, where Survivor is in terms of where the game is right now, how do you feel about your odds? Well, I'm going to win. There's no question about that. Um, no, I feel, I mean, that's my serious and my joking answer. I honestly think I'm going to win. Um, I... I'm excited by the people that I see. I, it looks like it, it, they're young, which is a bit of a bummer. I, th I think I would be able to connect a little bit better with older people than your average young person. So going into it, I thought, like, there's one asset I'm going to have over my other 20-somethings that, that they won't have. Um, and so it's a bit of a bummer that like everyone looks like they're 12. You'd like a, uh, a Joe Del Campo out here. Yeah, maybe not quite that old, but basically, yeah. no offense to Joe. <laughs> so I assume he'll read this. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, maybe don't think, I don't think he's checking. He mostly it out. Instagrams about his like Yorkies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no hiding that I'm a super fan. Cool. Uh, so you would classify yourself as a super fan? Absolutely. Of this show. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit to you, I don't read or what. Do you have a podcast? I don't know. I'm on RHAP. Okay, yeah. yeah, I mean, because Stephen and Rob always talk about you, and that's about as that's all right. familiar with you as I that's am. That's okay, well... I know I'm, who you are. Well, now I will feel unrestrained and just shit-talking you when there you're you terrible Give out it to there. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but you okay. but you rewatch episodes, and you'll you'll do the analysis and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I watch know-it-alls every week. Um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, uh, reading the blogs, 
uh, I spend some time on the Survivor subreddit, which is like gets touchy. Shout I don't, out I don't to know those guys. Why touchy? Why is that touchy? I, there's some crazy people on there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't always agree with what they say, but I guess that's good because I have to assume that like the other people that weren't as big of fans that like don't know Survivor in and out, you know, they were probably told to like get your shit together and figure out how you're gonna play the game. It's like where do you go? You probably end up on the Survivor subreddit. And so uh, reading, you know, what I and just parsing through it and seeing what I agree with and what I don't, um, I think will help me against them just because, you know, they're not going to have as strong of a filter probably of survivor knowledge to yeah. figure out like this, this seems iffy because a lot of people get on there and they're like, this is exactly how you should play. And it's like, I would never play that way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, so, so yeah, so I, I do that. I, yeah, I spend way too much time doing survivor. How much so. of that are you going to let on? And also the law school thing, I'd be curious. Are you keeping... absolutely not going to say law school? What are you going to say? Um, that I'm a graduate student studying geography and I want to be a community college teacher. I think that sounds very unthreatening. And can um, you speak to that? You can... Absolutely, yeah. I have more credits in geography than I did as uh, political science, which is what my bachelor's degree is in. Um, so, absolutely, I could bore your ears off talking about how this island was Let's not waste time stuff. doing yeah. that. <laughs> no, I can, I can drone on for hours. So, I, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. So, I, that's not going to be an issue. My, you know, my concern was just uh, that I had to come up with something that I, I knew a lot about, that I had a lot of background in, because you know, I can't sit there for 39 days and try to tell someone that I'm something that, like, I don't actually know a whole lot about. Right. I also think, you know, being a young kid that that's pretty well-spoken, um, it'd be hard to play off that I wasn't either a student or had some slightly exciting-sounding job. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't think you can come in and say you're a law student. It just... I think you know, it's a double-edged sword. There, there's the aspects of people associated with lawyers of you know that are going to play everybody, um, and and then there's the other aspect they all think you're rich. So, you know, bad combo. Yeah, it just doesn't work out. Like yeah. no one, no one wants that person to go to the end. And then when that person does go to the end, why give them a million dollars? Because you're like, well, that asshole's going to earn a million dollars in five years, right? You know, four years. So there you go. So yeah, I just don't think it's a winning combination. Honestly, if I win, um, I probably won't be a lawyer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, what will you do? I think I might actually go back to school to be a geography professor. <laughs> I shit you not. Um, That's no, if I win, I'm going to buy a boat and sail around the world. But cool. then, I'll, then I'll do something. Then you'll do something. I, I'm way too ambitious to like, not do something. I could never just like float. It doesn't work out well. But um, but yeah, it cool. just, I don't know. What's your ideal day one? You know, the game begins, boots on the ground, you're with your tribe. How does that day go if it goes perfectly for you? Um, have a conversation with everybody. I think um, my biggest weakness coming out here is that I like to surround myself with intelligent people and I don't really care to spend a whole lot of time with people that I regard as stupid. Yeah. Um, and so that knowing that that's my biggest weakness and knowing that like someone like Spencer, who I think uh, uh, we probably come in with a very similar mindset, you know, well-educated young guys um, that really like Survivor. And so, you know, looking at the criticisms that he got um, put on him, of, you know, that he wasn't very empathetic of people and stuff. And so from the beginning, I think, um, you know, part of this is growing up in the Midwest, too. Uh, you know, people on the face of them aren't always very interesting. Um, and so, yeah, have a conversation with each person on day one and try to figure out, like, what about you is different? What makes you interesting? Just so I can, I can latch on to something, because even if I'm not working with them, I think it's so important not to come across as flippant or, or just, you know, cast them aside, uh, especially at the beginning. And so I think... Uh, yeah, just trying to build those things and then um, 
Yeah, I mean, seeing seeing where it falls, hopefully we don't go to tribal council for a while. Yeah. Um, what do you think about idols and advantages and all of that? Are your eyes open? Are do, are those a crucial part of the game? Eyes are, are open. I'm left-handed. I see shit the righties don't. Um, definitely. Is that a thing? I think it's definitely a thing. I asked Lynn in casting, and she agrees. <laughs> She's left-handed, too, though. Um, no, I, I think I, I see detail that, like, is almost obnoxious to see sometimes. Like, it's... I... I'm the kind of person that sits at something and I like can tell you everything that I think could be better about it rather than just like appreciating it in its entirety and like not questioning it. And so I think in that instance, that puts me in a really good position to find idols advantages. As far as like how I feel about idols and advantages, uh, they're great if they're in my pocket. Um, you know, I didn't like in Game Changers. There's just too many. You know, yeah. like especially as a huge fan of Suri, like I love Suri. Brutal way to watch. It's her like go. really, you're gonna fucking leave on your fourth try because you were the only one not immune. Like that, that cheapens it to me. I, I agree. I'm not one of those people that says like, oh, let's have old school Survivor where like nothing happens. And because I rewatched Borneo a few weeks ago, and it was like, this is cool because it's like the first season, but like it's like a different show. Then. Oh my god, it was so boring. Yeah. You know, it's like I just like. There were bits and pieces, but, like, if you think about it, like, you could make one modern-day 36 season of Survivor episode out of all 12 of those. Right. It's just, it's slow, there's not a whole lot going on, which is interesting. I think, like, from a playing standpoint, it might be more enjoyable to play season one, uh, although they lose more weight back then right. than we will now. But maybe but like, less, like, psychologically stressful. Yeah, and so I, I, I think a good happy medium, though, with the advantages and with idols and stuff is, like, yeah, there should be some, but, like... I don't know necessarily if there's like four in play and someone plays one if they should plant another one like at some point yeah you know they're just it, it should be more rare because then that becomes more of a strategy um and I think it, it cheapens the work you do on the beach a little bit you know and, and it also lends to like uh you know questions everyone's always like well how does Ty find all those idols right. and stuff and it's like well because or like when someone finds one because they need it like it, it brings up questions that I don't think need to be brought up or, or shouldn't be brought up because there should just be fewer idols you know? What do you? How comfortable are you with the survival aspect of Survivor? Clearly, a student of the game, but in yeah. terms of like physically be being out here, I, yeah, okay. I love to be outside. I camped on the beach in Mexico for uh, a winter, um, ten feet from the high tide line, no cell phone service, limited food. Um, you you know, good? It's not. Yeah, I, I love camping. I, I love being outside. Cool. So I'm not too worried about that. In terms of food. I eat, like, as much as most of these guys eat, like, in one meal for the whole day. Because, yeah. like, they're just, like, the plates are piled full, and it's like, my God, we just ate. So, uh, I think in that instance, like... You'll hey, be all right. I think I'll be okay. How do you feel about, um, you know, there are people who come into the game, and they're like, there are no boundaries. The boundaries are so far that they're, like, back in America. Like, there are no lines whatsoever. And then there are people who play in kind of tight boxes of, uh, you can't do this, you can't cross that line. Where are you? Like, where are your boundaries? Are there lines that can't be crossed in Survivor for you? Um, I mean, I think there's certainly a line between when you're playing strategically versus just smearing someone as a person. With that said, uh, you know, the gloves are off. I think at this point, 36 seasons in, this isn't the second season of Survivor. I think people realize that you know, it makes the show way more interesting if you have people that come out and are, you know, guns blazing and and really do give themselves, like, moral freedom <laughs> to, to play however they want, you know. Um, obviously, like, a, a Zeke Varner situation, like, I've got no interest in that kind of thing. Um, you know, so, so nothing, like, personally 
attacking but in terms of like backstabbing people saying one thing to their face doing something but like yeah bring it on like i'm so excited now what happens if you know in the it's not gonna happen because you as you said you're gonna win this thing but let's say you get blindsided and it's like a like a beautifully executed blindside that you would love if you were watching it on tv yeah does game respect game or are you pissed off at something like that do you think well both i mean i'm obviously gonna be pissed off but like i think i'll just i'll sit there and be like wow like i think it'll be a simultaneous emotion it won't even be like uh you know i'm pissed off and then like you know when i start drinking back at ponderosa i'll be like yeah that was good whatever i'm out like let's go sit on the beach i don't think it's gonna be that i think it'll just be like damn they fucking got me and and i'll be mad for a long time but at the same time like you know i told jeff yesterday i was like as such a huge fan of the show all I want to do is make this season as good as possible. And so if that means me making it to the end, like fucking great. Cause that's how I want it to turn out. But like, if it means I go down in like brilliant flaming fashion and it just like, it all falls apart, then I'm okay with that too. Like, I just want to play a hundred percent and see where that takes me. I, I love that know. answer. Yeah. I'm good with that. All right, man. Good stuff. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Nice and congratulations on, on making it out here, dude. Especially I had no idea that you'd been, uh, You've been in the mix for 20, 28, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Got screwed by blood versus water. I think that you got put on the right location. The law student, the wildling, the superfan athlete, the furniture maker. The first four Ghost Islanders are officially on the board. Four possible contenders to become this season's first one out. Does your heart go out to that person? Absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of work. Like, you don't see it, you know, on the show. Like, all of a sudden, people are out there, and they're they're in the game. But there's a lot that goes into getting onto the show, and, you know, all the castings, and Ponderosa, and all the prep. It's a lot of work. And... You know, I think everybody comes out hopeful that they're going to do really well. And that's not always the case. And so, you know, it's it's hard to go through all this and then think that you're only going to be out here for a matter of a couple of days. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's why you got to go out there and you've got to play hard so that you're not that person. It'll be heartbreaking, man. That would be that would be when I start flipping tables and stuff. If I'm the first to go out, I'm flipping stuff. Like Francesca. Francesca. <laughs> like Francesca. Worst case scenario, yeah. I can't think of anything worse than that. You know, I'm here for the long haul. Like, if I'm going to be out here, away from home, pretty much outside anyway, I want to be in the game, playing the game. So I'm here for the long game. I mean, yeah, it would suck. That's for sure. I definitely don't want to be that person. I don't think anybody does. You know, you, you want to be there at the end. You want a million-dollar check in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty devastated. But, again, um... Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do in three days, but it goes back to kind of like what I told Jeff, you know? If I last three days, if I last six days, if I last 20 days, if I last 39, like, I just want to make Survivor as good as it can be. Like, I, I want to do my part, go out swinging. So, yeah, I hope to God it's not me, though, but I'm going to win. If you think Bradley is a little bit cocky, you haven't heard anything yet. The most self-confident man in the world. Coming next on first one out.
first one out, Ghost Zero, is produced, written, and hosted by Josh Wiggler. That's me. It's a collaboration between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob Has a Podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor. He is also a robot. Ghost Drops, the theme of this podcast, is composed by Josh and Ben Wiggler, arranged by Nick Campbell, and performed by The Sun and the Room. Guitar interludes by Ben Wiggler. Go to THR.com slash Survivor for more Ghost Island coverage. Survivor returns February 28th, and Ghost Zero concludes March 1st. Next time on First One Out. It is enormously satisfying to hack into a coconut with a machete. They don't tell you that in grade school. This guy is a robot. He is super jacked. And then here comes the helicopter and there's like Jeff Probst like walking out. His IQ is so high it's a squiggle. He looks at himself in the mirror for 30 minutes before he even gets dressed. Like he's he's the one who stared at his muscles like, yeah, you can do it. She definitely portrays the sweetness. I'm going to bake you cookies. I'm going to take care of you. I will exploit that. I will take him and I will ruin him. <laughs> 